This episode of the Porter Notes podcast is brought to you by us. We hope to gain more sponsors and, well, then we can put out more product. It'll happen. Let's get started. This is Alex, and this is a new episode of the Border Notes Podcast. How are you guys doing? Everybody out there doing okay? We're burning through the summer. This is my favorite time of the year, and under normal circumstances, I would be playing a lot more shows and traveling around quite a bit more, but this year, as we all know, is a, a little bit different. I mean, sure, it's a little bit challenging, you know, the limitations that we have right now, but... In the end, it's all going to be worth it. Hey, did you guys notice a little uh, something different already? We've uh, we've got a new theme. Yep. New theme music this week. It's a track by our good buddy Torch. He had this track. Uh, he had it posted, and it seemed like it was a little bit unfinished, maybe a little bit of a workout for him. But I really liked it, and thought that we could use it for a few episodes so I contacted him and he agreed and well here you go so don't forget to, you know you can check out all the torch music that you want he's on the normal spots like SoundCloud and YouTube he's also got a Facebook page so if you want to go back into our podcast archives you can hear my interview with Matthew Nigren aka Torch and uh you know, get a little bit of an insight as to who the artist is and the musician. He's a really nice guy. Um, I'll put a link up in the show description so that you can check out more of his stuff. For this episode of the podcast, I've conducted an interview with Roscoe Foster. Roscoe is the leader of the funk, blues, rock, rhythm, and soul musical group right here in South Central Wisconsin. It's called The Rascal Theory. They also go by TRT. It's a great group of guys. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit in with them for a summer a couple years back. I was a hired gun on guitar. We talk about it a little bit in the in the interview here. We had a lot of good shows and some fun times. Recently, I noticed that Roscoe was posting a fair amount about current events and his social media pages, and as we all seem to be doing actually but uh it it occurred to me that he was taking a little bit of heat for his viewpoints so i decided i'd give him the opportunity to expound a little further and that's what you get here so here is your opportunity to listen to my interview with roscoe foster after the interview, please stick around for a few minutes and I'll have some announcements about upcoming things and other bits and pieces to share with you. So, here we go.
the devils, like I said, has been cooking. Pretty much the last few summers have been absolutely insane for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, like I said, this is the first year that I've noticed a shortage in people. But then I guess it depends on the day because the weekends here is like nothing. <laughs> nothing's going on in the world. <laughs> you know, uh, just like you, Jaco has been playing Cedar and Broadway this summer. And, of course, coming in because... Going home doesn't matter how long it takes to get home, right? But we're always behind showing up. So, so well, you know, we all hate the bridge, right? You know? So as soon as I cross the bridge, I I, I cut over at the showboat and, yep. and go go yep. past Zinkies. Yep. And when I leave at the end of the night, which is you know roughly around midnight, mm-hmm. it, it's as if there's no, like you said, there's no difference anywhere there from anywhere. You know, anywhere summer's passed, I'd pass by uh, Nig's bar, and, and they were yeah. just shoulder to shoulder in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, and some of the things that I've, uh, some of the things that I've said and, and posted I know have been controversial. I just, I've always insisted on this, Alex, that we question our government. Mm-hmm. That we never just take anything at face value. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I feel like the minute that we stop questioning them and then holding them accountable, we're in a lot of trouble. Sure. I never said to anybody, don't wear a mask. I never disqualified masks. I never disqualified the virus. Mm-hmm. I, however, said you have to think where where are people's minds at? Like you said, at next bar, everybody shoulder to shoulder. And I have yet, I think in the past few weeks, I've seen maybe a handful of people in masks down on the strip yeah there in the deals and yeah like you know is this not going on or do we just i mean how, how how are we how are we navigating this we can't have a nation that half of us are you know trying to make this better than half or like well no it's not a problem right and um i guess what my problem comes in at is i see people shaming people i see the attacks happening and I, I don't agree with that because I can absolutely disagree with you on many points, but I respect your your uh, position. I sure. respect your your right to have your viewpoint, whether I agree with it or not. And I I, I think that it's kind of like um, people that say to me, I don't understand how people uh, support President Trump and. There are some people that support Trump. There's some people that don't. And the people that don't say, oh, well, you know, and, and you know, so we called each other names. And I mean, I, I've been called a libtard, you know. I mean, yeah. we have to get away from this culture of name calling and shaming. It's like high school again, you know. And <laughs> we're not accomplishing much of anything socially except for more unrest and division. Right. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, y- you know, the old adage, I may not agree with what you say while I, but while I will defend you know, your You're right, right to be able to say it. <laughs> I, there are certain things that I, what I like in this world is I like the, the simplest answers for everything, right? Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that. I oftentimes find that, that the most elementary answer is usually the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. And like you, I I agree. You know, well, first off, let's run a little background here. 
you and I are both from Chicago originally, correct? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so whenever you hear something about a corrupt politician or somebody who's crooked, it's no surprise to us. Oh, no, no, no. That's, Not at all. <laughs> so when people are, are shocked by that, it's, it's you know, to, to people who have, have been through it, we just say, well, you know, very yeah. much. And, and, and you know, we'll, we'll discuss this in a little further detail, but the last thing that we ever wanted to do in my neighborhood was call the police for anything. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Because they, they made things worse. And I think people are waking up to that around around the nation now. Certainly. Well, you know, I think, Alex, that we ask the police to do too much, though. Mm. That's mm. part of the issue. Um, because these days, the police have to be um, surrogate parents. They have to be foster parents. They have mm. to be social workers. They have to be mental health workers. They have, I mean, you know, it's, it's not as cut and dry as show up and deal with a crime. It's sure. so many variables. Uh, at play. I mean, you have to look at some people that are cre- um, committing criminal acts aren't necessarily criminals. They have a mental health crisis. Yes. You know, so we put too much on the police mm-hmm. and when they get overwhelmed and they overreact, then we then we overreact. Sure, sure. I don't believe in this defund the police thing. I, I think that I think there are portions of it that uh, are reasonable but I think that the, the, the titling of it as far as defund the police, I mean, mm-hmm. that, how do we do that? And, and how does that work in still maintaining safety in our communities? I mean, certainly we don't want the Gestapo on our streets, but we don't want our streets <laughs> overrun by criminals. <laughs> you do realize we, we cut a lot of prisoners loose when this COVID thing. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so, sure. And, and, and- Police. <laughs> let's you know. Let's take it back to that for just a moment. And the point that I'm getting at, as far as as far as simplicity is concerned, when I look at 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 the pandemic, I look at it like this: it is occurring in too many places. It is affecting too many people from all levels of social strata for it to be engineered. We mm-hmm. know this. Now, whether or not we're getting all of the facts from every place, that could possibly be up to conjecture at this point right because uh places like uh you know not to single too many places out but places like china and russia they're 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 not necessarily forthcoming with their information here to the united states if not the world so that much i i can say okay i'll 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 get along with that but when you start seeing when you start seeing that it affects more than just your everyday average person on the street or homeless person or something like that, that's when you start realizing that that there's nothing that's manufactured. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, the fear is definitely manufactured. Definitely. I think that you can be respectful and I think that you could be smart with what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, those of us who 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 have a little bit of a skepticism regarding the the powers that be mm-hmm. know that you know don't leave it up to somebody else to take care of you no take care of yourself and if that means wearing a mask if that means staying home if that means whatever it means that's one thing the right. other side of it is and and I would really like you to speak to this a little bit here is the blatant disregard for other human beings that seems to be surfacing under the guise of patriotism 
and you can't tell me what to do, that sort of thing. Well, you know, it's, here's my thing, Alex, and I mean, it, it's going to land me in a weird place here, but just bear with me. Sure. I think that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people freak, oh, I haven't got a haircut. Oh, I, I mean, for real? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or I, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I, here's my thing for the consideration of other people. Mm-hmm. I think social distancing is a good thing. Because if you're sick, certainly stay away from people. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean that's like that's like a, a given. It should be again one of those yeah. most bare, very simple, basic yeah, elementary rules. Simple. You 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 don't feel good. You know that what you have is contagious. So stay away. Stay at home. Right. Um, where we run into problem with is, I think sometimes the engineering creates the perfect storm. For instance, hmm. there are some people that would say, well, why should I have to wear a mask? Because if the mask is protecting you, if I don't have a mask, how are you in danger? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, 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 you can't grab hold of that thinking. You know, sure. I'm, I'm the kind of person that here is where I'm at with the mask. And I'll tell you directly mm-hmm. when I go out and I need to be in the midst of people, of course, um, I've watched, I watched the guy go past me the other day though, on a Harley with a mask on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a bit much. You, know, you gotta kind of use some common sense sure. in the process too. There was a lady drove driving down the street here, down Claire here in a convertible mm-hmm. in a mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people that don't, that resist the mask, see that they see, they feel like that's justification. You see what I'm saying? Right. And then people that are doing the mask. I mean, just feel like it's it's got to be a, a, a blanket deal, but it's not just the mask. There are other guidelines, washing your hands, sanitizing services, right? You know, observing social distances, but nobody is scrapping over those things. It's the face covering. Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah, I was in, I was in the Apple line the other day for a half an hour out in the heat in the mask. I get it. And then when we went in the store, we were in the mask. I get it. When I came out and I finished doing what I got and I got to my car, I took the mask off. Mm-hmm. I was okay. I don't think that you should have it on 24-7, but I do think that if you're going to be around other people, you're going to be interacting with other people in in, in, in broad, crowded situations that you should. Sure. You know, observe some, some manner of safety, like I said. But however, then you look at Texas where they're saying – they were discussing whether they were going to have them wearing the mask even in their own homes. Hmm. And I laughed and said to my wife the other day, can you imagine sitting in your house all by yourself, especially if you live alone? <laughs> <with a man? laughs> I mean, so there's got to be some common sense. Right. In it. And that's the biggest problem here in America is our common sense. Mm-hmm. In point. What was the point in storming the capitals? Armed, you know, Mm-hmm. When they, when they, about the lockdowns. How was that going to change the situation? I feel like it was more of a photo op than anything. Sure. Because it didn't stop the virus. It didn't stop the lockdown. No, no. <laughs> it just created another thing. Then people said, well, why is it okay for them to go storm the gap? You see what I'm saying? And right. so we create these perfect storm situations being inconsiderate of others and of common sense. It really comes down to that. It's common sense. Like I said, it's common sense. You sneeze and you coughing, you 
if you absolutely necessarily got to go out, please cover up. Mm-hmm. Please, I don't want to be sick. And, um, you know, I, I don't share too much of my private life um, in my per- public persona. But right now, my wife is, you know, we're dealing with cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so we certainly are dealing with a, you know, a, a compromised immune system. Absolutely. Yes. So I, I have to be mindful of it. And that's the reason why I told people, please stop attacking me. You got to understand mm-hmm. I'm not battling you on this because I have to we have to observe it in our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Exactly what's going on with with her health right now. So. I like I said, we have to find a common sense approach. I think that there are too many elements forcing us to pick a side Mm. as you know it's kind of like that saying um we're more consumed with who's right than what's right right i've had conversations with with folks who have said you know we're all going to get it and that might be true i mean the 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 same could be said the pandemic of 1918 the influenza from that and this is of course something totally different but that influenza is still a part of the strain that we all get now Mm -hmm. so the chances are yes we are we are going to get it but if i can do something to stave off getting it until at least there's some effective treatment Mm -hmm. because people who are ventilated still only 40 percent of them have uh, a success rate to getting off the ventilator Mm-hmm. So that means six out of 10 people who are ventilated die. So until there's something, and I'm not even holding out for a cure or a vaccine, although, you know, hopefully that's that's coming down the road. But even just to be able to know that if I get it, there's a better chance that I'm going to survive it, not based on numbers, based on scientific fact. Mm-hmm then I would feel a little bit more at ease. And in terms of wearing the mask, we're really not supposed to be around each other right now anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so so if somebody's arguing, well, I can't wear a mask for two or three hours, you're not supposed to. You're really <laughs> supposed to put the mask on, go do what you need to do, take the mask go off when home. you get in the car, and go home. <laughs> yes, go home and stay home. Yeah. You, you know, you're here in Wisconsin just like I am the night they open the bars. All those fools are out there. Oh my gosh. You know, again, shoulder to shoulder and that hasn't changed any, you know, no. not one bit. It's only elementary that this is going to continue to increase and run rampant and it's unfortunate because some really innocent people are getting uh, you know, are are being affected by it. You know, everybody talks about, and, and we'll get into this too if, if you have the time to do so, everybody talks about the, the bad apples that spoil the whole bunch. And, you know, that's a <laughs> phrase that's used quite a bit. But in this particular case, I mean, you can't help but, but wonder, you know, where's, you know, where's the decency, where's the sense of community among the people who are going out and doing these things? Well, I think, like I said, because we don't employ common sense. Mm-hmm. I personally have to tell you, if I got mandated to wear it 24-7, that would aggravate me. Sure. It would agitate me beyond words. <laughs> sure, sure. And I would sure. probably fight that stridingly. But I agree with what you said. You, you put it on, you go do what you got to do, you get back home. If you're in your house, you should be solid. Right. Um, I Here's where my, my thing I, I say about I want to question. We've been in this situation before we've not had this strain, mm-hmm. but we've been, you know, we've had, I mean, back when swine flu was out, I had it. Hmm. I got that. 
I remember the Zika virus. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And you know the mosquitoes and the free. And so mm-hmm. you know everybody went out and you got your off and you didn't complain that you had to get off the spray to keep the extra mosquitoes away. It's just what you did because you didn't want to get the Zika virus. Right. You see what I'm saying? Why does everything have to be so overwrought? When we put it in a situation where people feel like their rights are being trampled on or impinged, then you get the angst and the anxiety. Then you get the defiance and the rebellion. And I feel like there's an element of society that's pushing that narrative to create that disconnect. Look at the rest of the nations uh, on Earth that have uh, flattened the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did it and were done with it. Right. Now, you can understand that where people's frustrations minds, for one, we got told back, it was in March, two weeks. <laughs> right. 14 days. We're in July now. We're getting ready to go into August. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see what I'm saying? So then you have to, for me, I want to question and say, okay, so that, we didn't do that right. So what's the next step? What's the plan? Right. Because just telling us what you've been telling us for the whole time, nobody's doing that. So now we got to give us something that, that, you know, that, okay, what's the next step? You know, it's kind of like you're a parent, you know, you got certain things that you do as a parent and you see they're not effective, then you got to take a different route. Sure. Sure. Well, here's the thing though, in this situation, if people were effectively, because like you, I remember two weeks, you know, one week into it, they're like, Oh, you know, now all of these other things that we thought were going to be okay, we're going to have to close those down too. And then that stretched on and stretched on. The statistics are, if we would have paid closer attention to staying at home during that time period, much like they did in New Zealand and other nations around the world, then we wouldn't be in the position that we're in. So then that that begs the question based on, on that logic. If... If they would have listened, we'd be okay or better, right? They yeah. didn't listen. So now we have to change it up. Well, how can we change it up for people who don't listen to begin with? Well, well that's what I'm saying. We yeah. have to be careful because we don't want to get into a position where we're strong-arming people. Mm-hmm. But we have to pay attention to, I guess I have to say it to you like this. One of the biggest uh, problems that people have with adhering to it is the shifty facts mm-hmm. and positions that have happened. I mean, it, initially, like I said, the Surgeon General came and he said, listen, and we just agreed with this, so this does not disqualify a man. But a lot right. of people take this as he disqualified. He said, you don't, it's, it's not healthy to wear it 24-7. Right. Not healthy to have it on if you don't absolutely need it on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But yep. he didn't say it wasn't necessary to have it. Right. People didn't take that. They said, oh, said that we didn't. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's kind of yeah. like, like I said, like having kids. Do we have listening? Some mm-hmm. of the instructors get lost. However, you got to look at it like this. In 2018, we had 800,000 deaths to just the, the regular everyday flu. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? My question to the government is, if you know these things are happening and you know every year we get a flu season, how did we, in the middle of winter, not have enough PPE? Right. You see, I mean, so they do things to make you question, question, you see, mm-hmm. and, or, or, 
or, or they plant a seed of doubt. It's a very sick game where you twist people inside out and you give them, instead of clear directions, you give them multiple directions. And which way do we go? Right. You see what I'm saying? Because you got to look at it like this. Our president has, has just now put on the mask. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing has been around for a while. Even when people around him were catching it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Now, some Yahoo with a mega hat are only saying, well, why do I got to wear a mask? Mm-hmm. He ain't got to wear it. Mm-hmm. He knows. You see what I'm saying? Well, yeah, it comes from the top that down. Lack of, that, that lack of leadership, that was the thing that I was ranting about the most. That disturbs me. Mm-hmm. There has to be leadership. Can you imagine if FDR at the onset of World War II just kind of shrugged and said, well, you know, everybody do what you feel like you need to. (laughs) There's got to be some leadership. And when you have a leadership vacuum, um, there's disaster. You know, there's even even, uh, Alex, a a scripture that says uh, where where there's a lack of vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. You know, and then my people perish for lack of knowledge. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. We're in that situation where people are perishing because other people are not acknowledging. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, I feel like this. If you're on, if your immune system is super compromised, I don't think you need to be outside. Sure. In as much as you can help it. You need to be outside. You'll need to be around other people. You know, so we got elderly people. What about the elderly people that need to shop? I'm, I'm appreciative of businesses like Maurer's and some of the other local businesses that are willing to deliver groceries. And so it minimizes the trips. Mm-hmm. But my God, man, what, what, what ag- agitates me, like I said, is we've been in this pickle. Think about it. When this really started being talked about in the news, it was like last fall. Right. Okay. Now Walmart is mandating the mask. Mm-hmm. Now Walmart is mandating right. you stop this way and go down this aisle this way. Now Walmart is counting. And that makes people like me go, so why did you wait so long? Because you knew this was serious from the get-go. Why were people not taking it serious from the get-go? It's kind of like Godzilla <laughs> and hit Washington. We're in Wisconsin. But we don't pay no attention until now he's in Chicago. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's up on us. Now everybody want to panic and scream and run the streets. But we had time to prepare. Like I say, look at the rest of the world. They did what needed to be done. Their government didn't shuffle their feet and wring their hands. They stepped in. They did what needed to be done. People did the uncomfortable thing. I mean, people stood out on their balconies mm-hmm. and hung and waved to each other. We watched it. Mm-hmm. And now you see those countries and their numbers are down significantly. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it because in America, there's a false narrative. And this narrative goes, you are free to do what you want to do and be who you want to be. But that's really not the truth here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so because of that confusion, I mean, look what happens when confusion happens. It's just, it's just mayhem. It's chaos. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, how did we did we really think that we could count on leadership from the celebrity apprentice? Not knocking his business acumen. I mean, hey, that is what it is. But you need somebody that's going to say, hey, I'm going to listen to the facts that are being presented to me. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's why I'm, we had the pandemic data. force. I'm going to surround. 
Exactly. I'm going to surround myself with smart people because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to surround myself with people that do know. It's kind of like this. I know that I'm not technically the most skilled technical musician. So I'm going to make sure that I surround myself with sound musicians. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put myself out there like that mm-hmm. and not have that in place. I recognize my deficits and I'm not too proud to say, hey, I need some help. I need some sisters. I need another voice. I need another this. I need another that. Mm-hmm. This double head that we have in the office now has skewed all of that. And some of the most ridiculous suggestions in the world. Maybe we can shine a really bright light on the inside. How we do that? Right. I don't know right. about you, but I'm in no hurry to shove a flashlight up my butt. So I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, how do we do that? Oh, we're going to inject disinfectants. I mean, so there has been that. And you have to think about it. And this is no not, like I said, I don't believe in insulting my fellow Americans. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has a right to believe and think what they think and feel. But if I voted for him 16, I would really have to reconsider that now mm-hmm. based on what I've seen over the last few years. I tell people he has done predominantly Republican policy-wise what your average Republican would do. Not an issue with the policy. My issue is with the Twitterettes sure. and the misinformation and the defiance of scientific facts. Sure, sure. <laughs> you, you dismantle your pandemic team. You, you, dis, you pretty much you have Fauci stand there and say this, and then you come right behind him, disqualify what he said. Mm-hmm. So that's how we find ourselves in this situation. Anyway, as far as this pandemic is, and and here's the sad thing about it. I don't mean to rant too much, but here's the sad thing about it in acknowledgement of what I started out with here in the Dells, our economy runs on travel, right? In my personal opinion, I don't think they should have opened anything up here. These places are hot spots, <laughs> right? Right. For that kind of transmission. Like Noah's Ark said, they open up. Oh, well, when you're walking around the park, you got to wear your mask, but you don't got to wear your mask on the ride. Can't you catch it on the ride? So you see what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. You, you don't leave wiggle room. It right. has to be decisive. And the other governments of the world didn't leave wiggle room. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, this is a problem. This is what we know about it. This is how we're going to deal with it. And and now we're done. Mm-hmm. We said, well, I don't know about that. And, uh, you know, I don't know this. And then, and then it started. It started. And I had to be honest with you. I don't trust anything from a nation <laughs> that tried to tell me there was one shooter in Dallas in 63 when I know that I've seen different than that. Is that what I'm saying? Now, a lot of people for a long time know it was just, but if you really look at it, you say, okay, one of our biggest issues in this country is the mindset, oh, they'll never do that here. Mm -hmm. Right. Why wouldn't they? I mean, I mean, you never would have thought that Jeffrey Epstein would have existed. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a child pedophilia ring, on that high of a level in our country, is supposed to be one of the most moral nations. And, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of seedy stuff that's happening that a vacuum of true leadership is really hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and we haven't had true leadership in the White House in a long time. Well, I look at it like this, and 
I haven't I haven't seen anybody else say this. Maybe you have, but my viewpoint on this is that the election of of Trump, and by the way, I don't use his name on social media because it it trends then, and even the oh, bad stuff trends. trends. Yeah, but anyway, the the election of Trump was essentially another American revolution. Uh huh. And the reason why I say this is because there are a great many people, including politicians, who did not want to see the what they call the status quo. Uh-huh. And so they elected somebody who ran specifically on the platform that he was not the status quo. And this was the thing that 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 everybody who is responsible for getting him in the office wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted they wanted to pull the pin on a hand grenade, throw it into the middle of the into the middle of the room and see what what comes out of it. <laughs> and that's 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 what they have. And so that being said, it's no surprise to me that there's no real game plan. No. He never expected to win to begin no. with. No. Now, now your statement that down the line on policies, you know, it's it's very Republican. I agree with that. And that's the reason why so many Republican lawmakers, so many higher up Republican politicians kind of stand there with their hands out and they're like, oh, we can't do anything about him. He's the president. I don't know. He's he's rogue. He's like the bull in the China shop. We can't stop him when you know as well as I do. Uh-huh. That there have been other presidents in the past who have had their wings clipped many, many times throughout their yeah. their their terms. Yeah. Yes. And so they aren't stopping him. They it's not that they can't stop him. They aren't stopping they aren't. him. That's what I'm saying. It's like purposeful, Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because they all benefit from from him being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Directly, not even indirectly, not like some sort of shell company that's, oh. uh, you know, oh. off uh, over in Iraq that's got the no bid contract. I mean, these are people who are getting direct payments from the government for having business and having business interests that he also has interest in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, you know, we jumped we jumped right into this. Let's. For those listening, um, this conversation is with Roscoe Foster. <laughs> and Roscoe, you and I have known each other now for about three years, maybe, right? And um, we got together in the in the in the realm of music. And yep. Roscoe, you are um, chief songwriter and mm-hmm. band leader for the Rascal Theory, mm-hmm. TRT, as you like to call it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the band. Tell us a little bit about the music, and tell us a little bit about how you got started with music. Uh, well, now, so the band right now, I'm in the middle of a reconfiguration. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's always, it depends on where you land with it, whether it's a pleasant one or it's an unpleasant one. But uh, uh, I, th- I think we're going to be okay. God, I sound like Trump now. I'm so vain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. It's nice. It's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we're going through a bit of transition now. But we just released our uh, EP, mm-hmm. our six-song EP, Cup of Tea, and uh, we're planning on going back down to Memphis again this fall. Um, we did submit it for the uh, 
for Grammy consideration and in the uh, International Blues uh, Foundation's uh, contest uh, that challenge that they blues challenge that they have. So we're mm-hmm. looking forward to all of that. Um, I've been I've started this band about ten years ago, rather this concept rather, um, <clears throat> about ten years ago, and I released an, an album back then, and uh, just kind of been playing on the scene since then. You know, um, once you get into playing live, man, it's kind of hard to get back into the studio. Right, you kind of hit that um, kind of hit that place where the Beatles hit in reverse, you know, like when we're in the studio so much, we, we just know we're going to stop touring. And I got to the place where I'm playing so much, I can't record. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, we've been going about 10 years on the scene. Um, I've, uh, I've always loved music. I grew up in a very musical household. My mother was, uh, was friends with uh, Shaka Khan and Minnie Rippleton and, uh, Maurice White and uh, Philip Bailey and uh, I mean my my gran- grandparents they they you know we come from the same uh, town as Muddy Waters you know so mm-hmm. I mean music has always been in my family in my blood I mean I grew up it's amazing though that I'm so much in the blues now because when I was a kid I couldn't stand blues music <laughs> I was more of a Motown kid sure and and a uh, Motown kid and a classic rock kid. Well, I know <laughs> I know that you have a love of Elvis as well. Oh my God, yeah! You do and a Elvis number of Elvis hurt. songs live. Jeez, <laughs> I've been to Graceland twice, mm-hmm. so you know I'm I'm definitely definitely Elvis played a big piece of the craft uh, and Roscoe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't know what genre to put place myself in because I like to play a lot of different stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, certainly Elvis, uh, Prince was certainly a big influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael and James were influences. Uh, certainly the Beatles, like I said, and the Stones. Uh, Zeppelin, I mean, you know. <laughs> did you take piano lessons or did it just no. come natural to you? No, that's what I was saying to you, that I recognize I'm not, I'm not a technical piano player. Mm-hmm. I pretty much taught myself how to play the keyboards, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Never, not one technical lesson have I had yet. I've always found the piano, which is something that I don't play, I've always found that to be such a, a versatile instrument because it's all right there. You don't even need anybody else. If it really came down to it, it could just be you and the keyboard oh, yeah. to entertain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, now I'm jealous because you're a guitar player. <laughs> I've always wanted to play guitar. I even bought a few guitars. I got a couple sitting in a closet in here mm-hmm. that I, you know, barely touched. That has seemed to be my, uh, that's my Achilles heel, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I played, I play keyboards, play piano. Um, I played a little bass mm-hmm. a few times. No good at a drum, as a drummer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that's my primary uh, instrument. So when you started Rascal Theory, was uh, Woody part of that group right away? Um, Woody has me and Woody have been creating music together, Alex, uh, for the last thirty-two years. Okay, there is a yeah. definite bond between the two of you on stage. Yeah, I, I see. I you, you know it, it's hard. It's it's hard because oftentimes. 
you know, and I was just a pickup guy for the summer and there would be, you know, looks between the two of you and <laughs> I didn't know exactly what all those looks meant, of course. And so I was just like, oh, I hope I'm doing okay. You know, and, you and then and then I'd get that call. <laughs> I'd get that call later in the week. You know, hey, what are you doing Saturday? You uh, know, so I'm like, well, I, I you know, I went another week. Um, <laughs> but you know, there there was so much connection between you and Woody on the stage. Yeah, yeah, me and him, we definitely have that uh, Mick and Keith dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> we um, but and we we do, and like I say, it, we oddly enough started out with a keyboard. And he was playing drums on his ironing board. Oh, <laughs> that's how we started out in his room, uh, playing keyboard and and drumming on the ironing board. I mean, so we have spent years honing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I take him into the studio with me. You know, and even here, he had stepped away from the band here recently for a few months, and so I've been filling in for him. And now he's, you know, he's ready to come back and. Mm-hmm back into the, the free of things i have to be honest with you i was really terrified at the prospect of having to go forward without him i'm just that used to having him there mm-hmm. it's kind of like your right hand is used to your left hand is over there <laughs> sure yeah 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 so, um and i remember too when he said that he was taking a break from music for a little while you had you had made a statement and um you know should woody listen to this when it's when it's up there I, I'm sure that this was with all due respect. You had made a statement that, you know, Woody kind of has this, you know, he'll he'll kind of catch this bug once in a while where he'll decide that uh-huh. he, he wants to give it up <laughs> and then he'll come back around again later. Or uh-huh. or maybe he won't and you respected that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 the nature that's the strength of our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, my children don't he, to my children, he's Uncle Woody. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I mean, he's always been like my brother and um, I respect his gift position. I respect him as a person. Um, and I certainly respect uh, the things that are going on in his life that would cause him to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly miss him anytime I don't have him. And I'm certainly glad anytime that I do have him. Speaking of which, he will be drumming with me Friday when we play Poolies. <laughs> Uh, that's a seven o'clock start for anybody listening. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I mean we we definitely have that bond, and I miss it. So when he was away and I had to create, I was lost. I, I imagine I felt kind of like maybe McCartney felt initially when the Beatles, you know, or any one of those felt like you know where where is John? You know where is my counterpart to bounce off of? Mm-hmm, right. It kind of stagnated my creativity for a little while. Cause I didn't have anybody to bounce anything off of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, luckily he was, you know, willing to, from the outside, still be connected to the process. You know, I mean, but he is, he's, he's a very integral part of my sound and my life. Well, if it's one, you know, as a, as a, as a songwriter, if it's one less thing to have to concern yourself with, cause uh-huh. you know, you know, he's in the pocket no matter what. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so then you take that away and it's like, Oh, is he, you know, I might have to, I might have to put training wheels on again. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, cause like I said, I play a lot of different stuff and I don't come across a lot of people that can play a lot or interested in playing a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Woody will 
Whitney's got no problem playing um, Folsom Prison Blues mm-hmm. and going from that to, um, you know, Manic Depression. I mean, he just, <laughs> right, right, right. he's a very fluid drummer and he, he's very learned uh, musically. Um, so, yeah, certainly when he's not present, it, it, it throws me off. Like I said, it's, it's like your right hand looking for the left. Or if you lost a finger or a toe, you know, you're just kind of off balance there. So how are people, how are the crowds uh, responding to the new songs? How are those going over? Oh, they're, they're loving them. You know, it's amazing when um, Paul Flipowitz mm-hmm. uh, says that uh, at, at one of my songs he wanted to cover, and he, he thought that we were covering somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I mean, that's a really big compliment when he comes and says, whose song is that, man? That's a hot one. I said, man, that's mine. He said, you wrote that? I said, yeah. He said, man, would you mind if I... So, I mean, like, that was an honor yeah. for me, you know? So, certainly, the new material um, is 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 catching hold and taking place. I mean, taking a root with people. Uh, and I'm glad about it. You know, I'm, I'm not a musician that's wrapped up in accolades as much as I am and having a good time with my friends on stage. Thus, I can play for a room of three or a room of 300. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, that's the difference too, isn't it? When it when it comes down to entertaining, I mean, when you're when you're hired to entertain, then you're going to do. Because I've been with you when you've done more than one one go around to Sweet Caroline, you're uh-huh. going to do what people are going to going to want, and yeah. and that's that's part of it. I mean, it's it's never been for me. It's never been more uh, crucial than now because people really need that hour two hours three hours whatever however long they're going to stay there at at the side of the stage with you they need that right now to forget about the problems it's healing alex it's healing music is very healing Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been healing to me during this process you know so certainly and maybe you've experienced this too having the, the loss of gigs when that's something that, you know, you just kind of part of you has been um, kind of painful, but I understand and mm-hmm. I'm not bitter. Uh, I'm willing to play outdoor shows more so than I don't think I'll take an indoor gig for a, until someone says something different. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly outside gigs. I'm, I'm loving it. And I saw, but you know, that's always based on the weather too. Yeah, of course. So of course. That's your other variable. Um, I've had a couple of Dale's dates here canceled because of rain mm-hmm. and it's really a bummer because at the end of the week i'm looking forward to those two three hours of music <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah i think it was uh i think it was alice cooper who had said you know those those three or four hours that he's on stage were the times that he felt normal mm-hmm. any other time you know i mean that's what they that's what that's what you're getting paid for right you're mm-hmm. you're not getting paid for the performance because that's what you love to do. You're getting paid for, you know, the time it takes for you to drive there and setting yeah. up and hauling uh-huh. gear around. And I mean, that's that's really what you're getting paid for is the the work part of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, those three yeah. hours go by so fast in comparison. So fast. so fast. And you know, I feel I feel terrible because sometimes I have guys playing with me and they'll say, "Man, are we ever going to take a break?" And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I <have> to remember." <laughs> 
everybody's not like me. Everybody's not like, man, we got three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't honestly remember us taking breaks, actually, the summer that I played with you. Now that you mention it, I don't remember it at all. We took a few. Maybe we, we did. Yeah, I, but normally if the crowd's into it and the band, you know, and we're really clipping along, I, I if it's going, it's going. I mean, I yeah. once played a straight three-hour show clean through down at showboat at the end of the show i get ready to say oh we're gonna take a break and my wife says to me uh honey that's it we're that's the end that's it oh wow we just played through (laughs) but we had such a crowd and they stayed there for three hours i mean talk about feeling like a big name when you Mm -hmm. keep people there with you for that amount of time Mm -hmm. i don't do this for the money and you know being a local playing musician here in the local area, you know, if you're playing for money, you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> you're you're honest. You're you honest about that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I started playing out in uh, oh, right around '99 or so, and um, I was happy when I walked away from a gig with a hundred dollars in my pocket, and uh-huh. you know, I'm happy now if I walk away with a hundred dollars in my pocket. Exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, to 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 talk about what you're saying about performing, you know, outdoors as opposed to indoors, and and I totally agree with you on that whole on on you know, I'm not going to play indoors until until there's there's a lot of a lot more proof that that's going yeah. to be a, a healthy environment. But uh-huh. I also feel, and I'm sure that you do as well. I also feel like I'm not going to do those shows because of the people who are going to be there. I mean, yes, I want to be healthy and I'm taking all the precautions I can, but man, y- you know, we have certain people that come and see Jayco who uh-huh. are a bit older and yeah. to think that they might get sick uh-huh. at one of our shows really is upsetting to us. So we don't yeah. want to be responsible for somebody. We don't want to be responsible for somebody getting sick because they came into a situation that they shouldn't be in just to see us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're at this point, because again, everything is so unknown. We're at this point thinking that we're going to play out the summer as many outdoor shows as we can. And then, you know, this winter might be a new recording project or, yeah. you know, yeah. just like you had done with your EP at the beginning part of this year, because there, you know, unless we travel South, to where we can play outdoors and we, you know, we've all got responsibilities. So that's, that's not always going to, going to uh-huh. happen. Um, it, it, it might just be, you know, a seasonal thing for us until things, uh, you know, things settle down. But who knows? May, may have, by the time winter comes, we'll have turned the corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if the aliens don't get us crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every every month it seems like the bar keeps getting raised on craziness, right? It's definitely something new. Um, so let's speak a little bit about. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that this is your side project, but I would say that this is something that uh, that I rather enjoy, and and that is the uh, the new Vision Ministries. Yes. Um, if you don't mind speaking of that a little bit, I, uh, you know, we had become friends and had played music before I, I experienced any of your, your live feed on Facebook. And, um, I, I admittedly don't tune in every Sunday to it, but I'm there for a few of them and, and I try and catch the replays. I really appreciate your, your 
straight talk. I really appreciate that you break things down. It's it's not specifically about religion, mm-hmm. but it's a very practical viewpoint on the word, and I yeah. and that's refreshing to me. Yeah. Well, you know, Alex, I've been, I re, I grew up in church, mm-hmm. and um, I was ordained as a minister in uh, oh, two thousand four. Okay. Mar- March 10th, March 10th or May 10th, 2004, um, pastor the uh, church there at the corner of uh, Jennifer and Ingersoll in Madison there for a number of years. Okay. Um, a lot of people are shocked, you know, with that. But I tell them, you know, I've never been about religion. I've always been about spirituality. And I think that music is a spiritual experience. And um, certainly the way that I like to present things is again, I never like to hammer at religion. We've had thousands of years of religion, but there's a difference between telling somebody how to get to heaven or how to stay out of hell and telling them, well, this is how you live in the in between. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is how you get here without losing your mind. This is how you get here without feeling like, you got to be a certain way or you got to dress a certain way or you got to stand a certain way. You got, I, my experience of God has expanded beyond religion. I mean, more to such an extent and degree that a lot of my former peers are former peers because they say, Oh, well, you just, you're just too radical and you just went to, you know, you went too far, Mm -hmm. but I just, feel like it has to be I call it the personal responsibility gospel because <laughs> that's what it is to me if I can't make this applicable to my life then what am I doing you know we got too many people that say one thing do another we got too many people that I give you a, a perfect example I was once an associate pastor at a ministry on the east side of Madison and I used to watch people come every Sunday on the bus and, you know, and, and, they, and they'd have their little, you know, cars. They weren't in the best shape and they weren't necessarily dressed the best that they could. And But the pastor drove a BMW and he had a big ornate home out in Sun Prairie. And he, I mean, you see him and he's got a fur mink coat on and he's, <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, okay, so what about the people? I mean, because I don't, I wouldn't be able to stand in front of people. Sure in a mink coat that I know are struggling and tell them how they need to give me the money that they get in their pocket because God's going to do something with it. No, God's telling you, you're going to do something with it. Now, here's the the nuts and bolts of ministry. You have to take money because if, if you're in a building, somebody's got to pay rent, mm-hmm. somebody's got to pay the heat, somebody's got to pay the light bill. These are practical things that should be explainable. No, I don't need your offering so I can get me a new private jet. Or <laughs> Sure, yeah. We, we're just trying to stay tangible. We're trying to have a place where, I mean, you're not sitting in the dark. And that's one thing. But we've seen so many abuses. And because we've seen so many abuses and so many serious moral laps, people are running in droves away from church and church as usual and religion as usual. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. People are seeing through the smoke screen. People are seeing that 
what it has become is nothing like what the three, uh, the four gospels said should be the case. You know, so when mm-hmm. I give a message that says, am I my brother's keeper? I'm saying I'm not talking about my biological brother. I'm talking about me and you. I'm mm-hmm. talking about as I see the world going through what it's going through. Am I able to say, well, you know, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to stay over here and everybody else go to hell. And that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just you can't. I would I wouldn't be able to stand in front of God and say. I didn't try. And I because it. Here's my controversial statement. I no longer believe in the hell process. Hmm. I have to tell you the reason why I reached that position. I feel like God being who he is to us, if there's something worse than 2020, (laughs) (laughs) I certainly don't want it. That was just, that's just cruel and unused punishment for me. But no, seriously, I feel like we serve a God of love. And I feel like, um, love is the greatest power in the universe. I don't say that as a cliche. I say that as a real tangible fact. I truly believe that. I believe in the brotherhood, brotherhood of man. I believe that we are all one. We're all one family. I don't look at you and say, that's my white friend, Alex. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, right. I, I don't. That's my friend. That's my brother, Alex. So we have to get beyond that and because there's the segregation you see there's white church and there's black church and then there's asian church and then you see but christ only talked about one church Mm -hmm. right you know and we're not being that so we're failing the world even in the midst of this pandemic we saw mental health cases and things i mean rising and ministries are not you know are making adjustments but they it was kind of like Walmart. It was at the last minute. Right. How many people fought? Well, how come we can't go to church? Dude, there's a sickness going. Do you really? How many? Think about the people that are in church. It's kind of like you said, Jayco. <laughs> right. Most of your people that are still church going people these days are older people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you just, it's not reasonable or tangible to me to put a lot of elderly people together. And, you know, have them under, I believe firmly in the God takes care of those who take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, and I, I, I don't know if you saw it. I know I'm kind of shooting all over the place, but I don't know if you saw it, but Kenneth Copeland put out a, <laughs> put out a video and some DJ took it and remixed it about COVID-19. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm shaking my Cause you gotta understand, I grew up on Kenneth Copeland. Mm-hmm. I mean, my family was really big into that, you know, stuff growing up. So I'm just, you know, and he, oh, and it's going to disappear and it's going, no, it's not going to magically disappear. <laughs> <laughs> no, we cannot say, oh, if you come to this church or this church at this time, we have to stop. We have to get practical. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. When people do experience the supernatural or the paranormal, they don't really know what to do with it. And it doesn't necessarily always go the way that you feel, you think. Sure. So we have to be careful in misleading people down the path to utter destruction under the guise of redemption. You see, because mm-hmm. you can live any kind of way you want to, as long as you land in the pastor's pockets. I mean, the pastor, he's got two, three kids out, out of wedlock in the, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff like that that I care not about, but they seem to care enough about that it, it's a big thing. My thing is, are we feeding people? 
Are we clothing the homeless? How are we nurturing our spirits? How are we nurturing other people's spirits? Sometimes you don't need to take the Bible and you don't have to beat the Bible Bible over anybody's head. Just love them. Just love them. Sometimes it comes down to you don't need to hear about Jesus. You know, you you hungry. Here's here's a plate of food. Um, the the band Twenty One Pilots has a song Heathens that I love so much. And one of the lines in it, I want to make sure I quote it right, says, um, wait for them to ask you who you know. All my friends are heathens, don't you know? Actually, you exactly. I don't have church friends. I don't. Most of the people that I know that I call friends are other musicians. Now, I have people I met through the church circles. I, I simply don't associate with them anymore because I feel like it's like Jonestown. It's like uh, Waco. It's like... <laughs> mm, right, right. We're not dealing with reality, and I don't feel like God is not outside of our reality. You know, it, it, we have to be careful. If you say, you have people right now that are saying, oh, things that are happening now in the world are like what's in the book of Revelation, and here we go, and this thing is happening. But it's almost like we're pushing it there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's see what's going to happen. You know, so meanwhile, your people are dying, people are hungry, people are suffering, and people are getting richer, and people are getting poorer, and the church is getting richer from the poor people. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's not that churches are bleeding the upper one percent. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're they're bleeding the people at the bottom yep. under the guise of if you're obedient to me. And you sow money into my ministry that, you know, God's going to see this and he's going to bless you, you know. And I'm not discounting blessings or discounting that God does honor our sacrifices. But I just feel like there's so much disingenuousness happening now. And especially in light of this pandemic, it's like even some people in the church should have stood up and said, "Okay, you know, even though he's given us. Supreme Court justices that we want and everything. I mean, when he mocked the reporter, you see what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it has to be a, count, a call of accountability. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's not across the board. Right now, I'd be Alex, Alex, honest with you, Alex. If I went into an actual church building now, somebody would have to drag me in there kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. I would literally feel like I would start burning up the minute I crossed the threshold. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> that is not my scene, you know. Well, you, That's you know, not my scene. I don't feel like we're serving the people, so therefore I can't advocate. My viewpoint on on that on that very thing on accountability, you know, like you, I am a parent, and there's one of those things where it's like, okay, I could teach my children, don't do this because you'll break the law, don't do this because you'll hurt somebody, but then they'll sometimes have to come across a situation where everything might seem victimless. Right. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. there will be a child that'll be, you know, and a and child, you know, your child, any age who might actually be tempted to do the wrong thing, even though it might seem victimless. And that integrity that you instill with them, even if it's some sort of God is watching, uh-huh. helps to keep them be, you know, keep them grounded in, in some sort of humanity. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me. And again, you know. I don't want to tangent too much off onto the president, but you can't tell me that a guy like that thinks that he has any sort of, um, you know, 
afterlife repercussions for the activities that he's doing on the planet today, right now in his lifetime, because he just wouldn't do it. <laughs> he wouldn't take advantage of weak people well, and no. women and children and minorities, and he wouldn't take advantage no. of, of of infirmed people if he thought that that there would be some reckoning for his actions. But he doesn't. I mean, he said it himself. I could shoot a person point blank on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. <laughs> and that's and and you know and and that's a total that's a total. Uh, that's a total lack of having any sort of godliness. Uh huh. You know, a total lack of 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 experiencing any sort of um, uh, empathy towards other people. You know, which is the golden rule, right? I mean, the golden rule is empathy. Do unto others as you'll have them do unto you. And if you can contain, if you if you can maintain that sort of empathetic viewpoint. You'll not only go a long way for yourself, but go a long way for everybody else. You know uh-huh. what's the what's the uh, the phrase that's that's used? I think it's Kenyan. You know, um, if you want to go someplace fast, go alone. If you want to go someplace far, go together. You know, if we took those common sense things though and put them in place, like even with what we got going on with our pandemic crisis, mm-hmm. do unto others as you would have done unto you. Just be, you know. Just looking out for your brothers and your sisters. Yeah. Like you'd want somebody to look out for you. Yeah. You know, when I when I did that thing, like I said about the brothers keeper and I was using the Good Samaritan as as, as a point. Mm-hmm. I feel like that right now as a nation. I feel like the people that want to be defiant without reason. You see, there's one thing to be defiant on the well, I need more, you know, or I need to, I need to understand, or like me, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to wear the mask 24 seven. I'm going to wear it where I need to wear it mm-hmm. because that's the purpose of it. It's mm-hmm. supposed to have a use. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So, but you know, I'm out of personal responsibility, out of a spiritual responsibility. I'll do that. You see what I'm saying? Because sure. I am our brother's keeper, mm-hmm. you know, and I certainly I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I think that in order to hit that place, you have to have some kind of moral center. And that's what's missing with so many people. That's why it's so hard to consider anybody outside of yourself, because it's, it's simply not there. Right. I, could go, I mean, we could be on here for hours, Alex, talking about the breakdown in family system and the education system and, I mean, in our social system and our communities. These things have eroded our national heart. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Our national heart. There used to be a time where it was, oh, you, you could safely stop and help out somebody mm-hmm. who was hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it these days. <laughs> right, right. For a number of reasons. What does that say? Or you see some, I mean, how many people have gotten robbed and killed trying to help somebody stranded on the side of the road that staged a car accident? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we have created a situation where it's foolish to have a heart. And that's not real. That's not real. And so we have to fight back against 
that. We have to fight back against the dark. And I know I had said the other day, you know, well, I'm just going to stop talking and this, that, the other. And then I had to come back and say, nope, because evil persists when good men stay silent. It's really just that simple. If I don't do my part, if you don't do your part, then we have to consider ourselves part of the problem as opposed to the solution. You know, I mean, there are people that are griping about some people got unemployment, some people didn't. Some people had to wear the mask. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's so many dividers. And you would think that a situation like this would unite us mm-hmm. as a country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but instead, it seems to be dividing us. And watch how the ingredients are being poured in. Because on top of this, then you had the George Floyd situation happen. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you throw that in, and then you had the rioters and the looters, and so you had that happen. And then you had, you know, a 45 go and stand with upside down Bible in front of a church, which I, okay. I mean, there are these provocative visual things that are happening that are steering us toward the cliff of self destruction. We have to regain our comfort. I think that's the only way clear of this is to gain our national heart back again. This is how we got through the Depression. This is how we got through World War II. We had a national heart. We had a national identity. We had a national sense of purpose. And there doesn't seem to be one now. Everybody's just bickering. Everybody's on their Facebook and Twitter bickering. Nobody's... <laughs> right, right. Nobody's living real life, so... Well, and, and, and that, you know, to speak of the Brothers Keeper, that transcends... Uh, nationality and boundaries mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. transcends all of that, and and I think you yeah. may have been one of the people who've put this up, but I've seen it many times, where uh, a man holds a a sign up and it, it reads on there, "If all lives matter, why aren't you mad?" Uh huh. Yeah. And you, you know, okay, so I've not made very many public statements outside of of a very recent podcast episode that I put up. Mm-hmm. Only because I don't want to be that guy who's says, you know, oh, and I have black friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because that that first off, that should not be any sort of qualifier, right? Yeah, not you, at all. You should care about everybody. But I will say this: knowing people from from other ethnicities and other religious viewpoints and other sexual preferences and, you know, just from mm-hmm. other backgrounds definitely goes towards making a person more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So it gives you an informed opinion as opposed to just an opinion, right? So so there is some, some benefit to that, though a lot of times, y- you know, it's played out, right? You know, my black friend told me this. So I didn't <laughs> want to be, you know, I didn't want to be one of those guys, but the neighborhood that I grew up in, mm-hmm. my family was one of only about three white families within like a six square radius of, you know, my block. Mm-hmm. That being said, not only do I have an understanding of how we are all the same, because we were just as poor as my Mexican friends and my Puerto Rican friends and my black friends, but also we were raised with the same level of integrity that they were and how you treat other people and how you respect your parents and how you respect property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe that comes from, from 
having that much diversity around. Maybe that comes from not having that much money, or maybe that just comes from being graced with with having parents, myself, my friends, all of us having parents that really wanted us to be better uh-huh. than they were. Mm-hmm. When I walked through the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis at the Lorraine Motel, I'm sure you're uh-huh. familiar because yeah. you've been to Memphis, um, you cross a a a bridge that uh-huh. is to resemble the one in Selma. And it really struck me, and I turned to my wife at that moment, and I said, you know, this wasn't ancient history. No. <laughs> you know, this is 50 years ago, 60 uh-huh. years ago, 40 years ago. And, you know, I mean, it's not like, well, you could take the Holocaust. And, and, I, and I have spoken with um, a rabbi down in Madison. You can take the Holocaust and you could say, well, that's happened so long ago that it's understandable that this generation doesn't quite get it because they don't have the the reminders, right? But there are still lynchings yeah. happening. Yes. There is still hate. There is still murder. Mm-hmm. Murder of people only because, you know, there's Native American women who are just straight up disappearing. Yeah. They're finding their bodies. Mm-hmm with no explanation whatsoever. And of course the of course, you know, being Native American myself, I, I'm, you know, kind of in touch with that sort of information and it's not hitting it's not hitting major media. People aren't aware of this sort of thing. No. You know, since George Floyd there's been what, six, seven different lynchings, eight maybe? Yeah. And and some of them are being played off by the local police as uh, suicides. Yeah. You know, so so a black man's going to commit and, and you know, any man, but I'm going to I'm going to say this. A Go black ahead. a black man is going to commit suicide by hanging himself from a tree in front of in, in a public square. Yeah, not likely. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see I, I, I it's just way too suspicious for me now. I'm not saying that people don't have problems. I'm not saying that people don't. uh you know, don't have uh, depression, and I'm not saying that people aren't suicidal from any, you know, any area of the world and, and any ethnic background. That does happen. But, wow, you know, to have that happen in Texas hey. mm-hmm. is a little too fishy for me. Uh-huh. Th- thus I've said, and I will continue to say, we have to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Such as, how does this stuff happen and it gets swept under the rug? Not to minimize George Floyd's situation, but why was that such a big to-do? Mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor got shot eight times in her sleep, yeah. in her bed. <laughs> yeah. That just kind of missed the, missed the news cycle, and that's the stuff that bothers me. It, such as, just kind of, I'm going to tie all these elements together. Okay. For a long time, they were running graphs of the numbers of the cases, corona cases. You know, you'd see it in the ticker tape at the bottom of the TV, or you'd see it down in the corner, or it was predominantly uh, staged on the... And then George Floyd happened, and it just all went. You see what I'm saying? Are you trying to tell me that corona just said, oh, you know? <laughs> right. You got some stuff happening. I'm just going to hang back for a little bit and wait till you sort this out. Things need to be important. It cannot be what's sensational. 
it has that's my problem with the news and the reason why I keep hammering at the ask questions thing and hold people accountable mm-hmm. because certain people get to decide what's important to us. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not to say that George Floyd's situation wasn't important, but then I even got questions about that, such as why would they kneel on his neck right there at the back of the car? They were right there at the back seat. He was handcuffed. All you had to do was throw him in, close the door, done with the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and and the officer who killed him knew him. Yes. They worked together. Yes. So... It makes you say, why did this happen in the middle of this thing? Because it's like, oh, we were doing the pandemic. Oh, oh race riots. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a dangerous thing when we like we, when we don't have that leadership at the top that can say, hey, I see all of this happening, but this is how we need to do. This is the priority. This is the way forward. This is, we're going to handle this. We're going to handle this. We're going to handle this. This man has tiptoed and danced around every major issue that mm-hmm. is happening and it minimizes it to people and think we are such a visually stimulated culture now that you know you're seeing something you're watching and then you go oh squirrel mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there you go and 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 that's what's happening you see that that's that's what's happening with our racial issues we we have to understand why things are being presented to us you know, we didn't we didn't need to see the cop's knee on his neck for weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. What did they think that was going to stir up? And then when people got stirred up and began to take to the streets, oh, my God, what's the matter with them? Why would they do this when you poke the bear? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you see, like running into a lion's cage and slapping him on his ass. I mean, you just... <laughs> <laughs> You got to deal with the aftermath. They're, we don't. We are a country that's a, a world that's built now, like I said, on the sensational news cycle. So therefore, there are so many serious problems that are just dropping through the cracks mm-hmm. or being swept aside. You know, right now we're getting ready to have food shortages. We're not talking about that. You see what I'm saying? Right. We 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 don't know how this winter is going to be. You know, how are mm-hmm. you going to be able to tell the difference between the regular flu and the corona flu when flu season hits? Right. You see what I'm saying? So there's no things. We had things in place and they got taken out of place. So you have to ask yourself, what's the agenda? What's the purpose of creating a problem? And then you already got a pre-made solution. That's that's a you know, that's kind of shady to me. It, it kind of makes you go, hmm. And here are the things that are happening. Black men and women hanging themselves. I mean, do you know how much of a big stigma that is in the black community? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of all the hangings of the past? We just gonna go out <laughs> and spring <laughs> ourselves up. This is not gonna happen, okay? It's like we ain't gonna go running headlong, making a bunch of noise into a clan meeting. Hello, you know, it's stuff. It's not making sense. But what is it happening for? Why would they hang a black man? Who are we trying to provoke? Oh, we provoke people, and then you get people that are burning up their own communities, and then we say, "Oh, the economy is bad." I mean, look at it, Alex. This is the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. We released thousands of prisoners, violent even, and back into our society in a broken economy in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, and you're just getting out the joint, so you ain't immediately got nowhere to go live. 
You ain't got no access to no health care. Right. <laughs> you ain't got no job. You see what I'm saying? You element. So now we got the prisoners in the streets. And then you stir up a racial incident. And you pour on top of it. And you pour on top of it. And now you got people going around tearing down statues, which I personally disagree with. I don't agree with the Confederacy, but I believe that remnants of it need to exist so that we know and we don't repeat that history. You see what I'm saying? Sure. I, I don't know that tearing down our history is going to fix it. You see, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're talking about, oh, they want to demolition Mount Rushmore. I mean, come on. I'm not going to go for that. And I'm not a gun toting, you know, kind of. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. But I'm not going to go for that. And so, like I said, we have to question and get to the root of who's stirring in the elements and, and stirring the pot. And a lot of people don't want to do that. That's too hard to do on a day-to-day basis. Some of us are concerned with, I'm worried about how I'm going to make it from the day to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But those of us that that can press in and look for those answers should. We should. Why is this violence happening in our nation to such a degree? It seems provocative to me. You know, it, it does. It seems provocative to me. I've seen more racism in the last four years uh, uh, seems to be magnified media-wise anyway than I have in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like black people weren't dying under Obama too. Right. You know, right. Or, or Bush or Clinton or the Bush before him or Reagan or, or Carter or Nixon or you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is not new. This is not new. Why are we so incensed that as opposed to peacefully going and protesting that we've seen works, we decide to burn down our neighborhoods. And then we'll use the excuse, because I've had some people in my community argue with me on the Black Lives Matter thing when I said, foolish me, okay, I agree with you on that, but if it matters so much to us, why do we keep killing each other? Oh, but you don't understand. It's hard in the hood. And if I came from Inglewood, you can't tell me nothing about hard (laughs) growing up, okay? I grew up just as the crack epidemic was exploding Mm -hmm. in Florida, in Chicago. So I get it. Okay. But I also know that my family and home structure was strong enough that I I have a good moral center. You see what I'm saying? Right. I had a two-parent household for most of my life. You see what I'm saying? I had elders in my family that kept an eye and, and was able to sow good things into us. That's missing these days. We don't have the elders don't want to take responsibility and reach to the youth. The youth don't want to listen to the elders. There's this great disconnect. And because we're getting so divided, that's the reason why we're in the state that we're in. Imagine this. There would be just this, this statement here. Imagine if we were more unified as a nation. Do you think that we would still have this problem with flattening the curve? No. <laughs> right. Because nobody would be arguing and debating on Facebook and Twitter and, and signs and you taking my freedom and you this, that, and the other. We'd be all on the hey, we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that mindset anymore. And unfortunately, at this time, we are being driven by a divisive figure who's not helping. There's nothing more frustrating to me than somebody who shows you who they are. And then when you call them out on that, uh-huh. Huh? 
you know, comes back with, with, well, you know, I, I didn't mean it that way or I didn't, you know, as though you're the one with the problem. <laughs> you're the one with the yeah. problem, you know, but then turns around and winks uh-huh. like, you know, I got yeah. out of that one. Yeah, we're there. That's where we're at as a society. And the only way to get out personally to take a sense of personal responsibility and not just personal responsibility, but social responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. Roscoe, I am glad that we were able to sit down and have this conversation and we could do, we could maybe not come to any more conclusions, but we can definitely talk it out a lot more. But I, I know that tonight's a big night for you and for the band because the Mama Awards are, are taking place. That, that is correct. And I'm I'm keeping you from that, and you could be you could be celebrating right now, and I and we both don't know it. Although I think somebody probably bust into the room if if that was the case. Oh yeah, yeah, my wife would certainly come running in. <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna draw this up here and. Uh, you know, I appreciate you. I definitely do. I hope you know that. And I appreciate our friendship. And uh, I, I'm really glad that we were able to sit down and, and have this this moment here. I, I am too, Alex. I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm very thankful that you are uh, uh, um, affording this. To lay out this forum, I think is very important. If we don't do anything as citizens and as brothers and sisters, we have to have conversations. Absolutely, because that's that's how you, that's how you that's how you gain insight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how, you, how that's how you learn both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody out there wants to get a hold of you after they've heard this this episode of the podcast, Facebook, you're there. You on uh, yes, any I other can. social media platform, or what would you uh, like to plug for that? Facebook. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at the Rascal Theory. Um, God, what's the other one? Uh, Instagram. Okay. Um, I'm on. I mean, so you can reach me if you got Snapchat. I didn't believe I got the Snapchat. I got the Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on all of those different forums. Like I said, we just loaded in our EP today to CD Baby. So it'd probably be another week before it's hitting iTunes and Apple and all of that stuff. But be looking for it. It's Cup of Tea from Roscoe Foster and the Rascal Theory. Best of luck on the awards ceremony tonight, and definitely keep us up to date on what's happening when you when you go down to Tennessee. I'm pretty excited to hear about that. Uh, that's a very exciting time, and we are excited to go, and uh, I will keep you abreast of every moment that's happening. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it. You have yourself a great night. All right. Bless you, brother. Thank you. So there you have it, a little time spent with Roscoe Foster of The Rascal Theory, TRT. What'd you guys think of that? I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, normally I do a little wrap up here with Lori, but last couple weeks she's been kind of busy. So I'm just going to you know do a little wrap up here on my own. We'll get, uh, we'll get to sitting down again and spending some time together on one of the future episodes of the podcast, but I really wanted to get this one out now, so that's why I kind of sat down and did this here solo. 
uh, wanted to mention that the night that we conducted the interview, Roscoe and I, the Rascal Theory was nominated for a number of different Madison Area Music Awards, uh, which include Best Blues Song of the Year, Best Blues Album of the Year, Blues Performer of the Year, and Roscoe himself is nominated for Best Organ Keyboardist. So that's a pretty big deal. So... If you go to the Madison Area Music Awards, uh, it's M-A-M-A, the Mamas. Uh, They've got a a page where you can check out all the nominees and find out how you can vote. So there's a number of really great musicians, people that I know as well, who are nominated for Mamas. So check it out. It's it's really cool. It's a great way to show support of uh, Wisconsin area musicians. The Rascal Theory is... uh, starting to raise funds for their upcoming trip to Memphis, Tennessee, which includes a number of shows down that way as well. Memphis is a wonderful town. I absolutely love it. So make sure that uh, you go to their Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com, therascaltheory.trt, to check out what they have going on. I'll post the link in the episode description for this as well. Uh, Roscoe mentioned he doesn't really you know, talk about too many personal things, but he did mention that his wife has been battling cancer, and this is true. Uh, Anna is a pretty nice lady, and she's also the manager for the band, so uh, if you check out the Rascal Theory Facebook page, uh, good opportunity for you to connect with them, and I know that there have been uh, times in the past when they've really appreciated some support, so this would be a great opportunity to do that, too. So please check out their Facebook page and, uh, and help them out if you can. My next podcast interview will be coming up pretty soon. Some of you have asked about our America Land podcast, which is, as you can imagine, uh, you know, traveling is a challenge right now. So those have kind of been put on hold. Uh, You can be sure that Lori and I will have some things coming up soon as we have been doing a couple of day trips around Wisconsin here and it's not been easy on us. We, as, as everybody knows, we love to travel, but it's a very small complaint compared to some of the things that other people have been facing. So we thought we might maybe sit down and talk about things that we've done in the past, some trips that we've had in the past, and kind of expound upon that. And that might be fun, too. So we'll let you know as we start to come up with ideas as far as uh, getting a new America Land podcast episode out there. This has been... Day two of the statewide mask mandate. As many of you know, I'm a supporter of wearing masks in public. I make that no secret. I mean, I get it if you don't wear a mask out in the open air. Yeah, that's fine. You know, if you were in a public place around other people, especially those outside of your particular circle, I, I think you should wear one. It's a small very small gesture, which goes a long way. And as you just heard, Roscoe and I had a conversation about masks, and you know this was recorded before the mandate, so you can assume where, where we stand on it now. My wearing a mask does not hurt you. You not wearing a mask you know, could hurt me. It's pretty simple, folks. Put one on. Additionally, some of the conversation that Roscoe and I had was in regards to 
what extent you should trust the government and your officials. This is a really hard one because people who are in power should be there because we place them there. But that isn't always the case. Truth be told, there's a, a lot of shady stuff going on. and This is nothing new. But what is new is how much of an effect this has on you and me and all the people we love and care about. Do your own research. Formulate an educated opinion, please. Expand your reach when doing research. Find experts, real experts. Think more. Speak less. So in that vein, just a reminder, new episode in a couple weeks. Please be safe. Please make the most of these times. There are people out there who count on you and care about you. Visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast, And if you can, go to our website, porternotes.com. Drop us a line, an email, a messenger message, something. We love to hear from you, porternotes at gmail.com. If you want to become a sponsor of the podcast, there's a number of ways to do it, and we would definitely appreciate it if you, if you would. Uh, I do have a note up on the Porter Notes podcast Facebook page and on how to become a sponsor. It's pretty easy. Uh, feel free to contact me, and we can go through the process together. We definitely would love to have you as a sponsor. So, all right, until next time, peace and love, folks. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.